0: hello and welcome to episode 21 of the one 106 of a second photography podcast and today we're talking about flash photography but before we start i need to really explain what's going on with the hosting of the podcast so i've now moved the podcast hosting to patreon and the reason i've done this is to reduce my running costs and hopefully get some support with the running of the podcast i've been doing this now for some time and unfortunately As I've scaled, my costs have gone up and it's going to be, I think it's going to be a bit unsustainable to go forward without support. And I really want to take the podcast places. I want to do more frequent episodes and I want to make them better too. And all of that requires a little bit of investment, but I don't want to get a sponsor. And when you have a sponsor, although you're not too constrained, I actually don't want those constraints. I don't want to be stopping mid flow and announcing my sponsor or doing at the start and at the end. And I didn't really feel comfortable with that. So I've decided to go on Patreon. And you can find my podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash 160 SPP. So that's 160 Second Photography Podcast. So moving to Patreon will reduce my running costs. I can post all my content in a single place. And I do want to do more associated content to help the podcast. And people can support me if they want to. So what does this mean for the listeners? Well... Little or nothing is going to change for the worse for listeners. You'll still be able to access my podcast via SoundCloud, but I just won't have all the episodes accessible on there. You'll still be able to access this podcast via iTunes, but you might not be able to access the back catalogue like on SoundCloud. You can support me if you want to via Patreon, or you can not support me if you want to. It, it doesn't matter. There's no There's no stipulation you have to support me. It's really up to you and I wouldn't want there to be a stipulation. And I will probably post this on YouTube as well just to reach a bigger audience. Let's get back to the episode about flash photography. I got into using flash really because I was quite price sensitive in photography. When I started, I was using an APS-C Canon camera, which was the Canon 550D, which is a really good camera. I still got it today. Um, I'm never going to get rid of it, but it's sort of Achilles heel. It wasn't very good in low lights and noise wasn't very good at high ISOs. I wouldn't use the camera above ISO 800 and that was quite limiting in low light and indoor shooting. My options were to invest either in a full frame camera or to use a slower shutter speed. I already had some wide aperture lenses, but it wasn't making a huge difference. My shutter speed was still quite slow. You know, we were looking at 160th of a second or 130th of a second, 115th. For me and what I was doing, that was too slow. So I sort of figured that if the problem was a lack of light, wouldn't it be easier just to add a bit of light rather than investing in new kit? So I looked at flashes and I looked at LEDs. And LEDs, even now, can't provide as much light as a flash for photography. They're good for video work and I do use them for video work. But in terms of output for a single photo or a single frame, video, nothing beats a flash. So I could get a flash for about £40 or $40 and it would be basic, but it would add more light. So I got a flash and it allowed me to raise my shutter speed and not get blurry images. And I could shoot at ISO 100. So flash has a high limit for shutter speed for normal basic flashes. And that can be 1 200th of a second, 1 250th of a second, 1 300th of a second. It actually depends on your camera rather than the flash. But I wasn't bothered about shooting very high shutter speeds. And I was generally happy to shoot at 1... 125th of a second or one 160th of a second and I always picked surprisingly one 160th of a second Um, that was my go-to speed and actually that helped me decide on the name of my podcast. So in the early days I generally used bounce flash before progressing to off-camera flash. Now using flash really opens up possibilities. Using bounce flash is one thing But getting your flash off camera, you can do wonders for images. You can make really dramatic and cinematic images. And we'll talk about that a bit later. So after I would use bounce flash, which is where you just point it straight up at the ceiling or point it at a wall or something, I started to use off camera flash. And then I started to use light modifiers. And then I learned how to separate the person from the background with a kicker or rim light. And I'll cover all those a bit later. I would suggest if you're getting into flash, you, you sort of follow those steps. First of all, get used to using the flash on the camera and get good at that. Then get good at using bounce flash, then get good at using off camera flash, then get good with one light off camera flash, then get good with two lights using off camera flash and build up. And most likely you won't go past needing two lights. You can have as many lights as you want. Three lights is quite common. One light or two light is probably going to be fine for most people. So for on camera flash, you either point it straight at your subject or you point it up at the ceiling or you bounce it off somewhere else. Now, most ceilings are white. And so that means when you fire light upwards, they're going to bounce off the ceiling and they're going to come down onto the subject. Now, that looks really good and that looks really natural because that mirrors the way we see light as humans. We see light falling from the sky to a subject and we don't question it because that's what we're brought up with and that's what we're used to. Now, with the ceiling being so much bigger in comparison to the subject you also get a nice soft light so sticking a flash on a camera getting the right exposure with flash and just firing at the ceiling you'll get a really good picture as long as you're indoors if you're outdoors it that's obviously not going to work if your ceiling's black it's obviously not going to work If your ceiling is colored it's going to give a tint to your images but by far using bounce flash is the easiest and simplest method i think now is a good time to talk about hard and soft light and that's quite important with flash and that's quite important in the images you want to create but it's not immediately obvious what hard and soft light is hard light is harsh light and the light the bright to the shadow parts of us of the image is fairly instant there's no gradual transgression it's instant and examples of this would be someone standing in the sun on a hot day with some shadows cast by their hair or their nose or by sort of a tree branch that gets in the way and in hard light the shadows are very noticeable in soft light the light area to the shadow has a much bigger transition and is very gradual and it's the shadows aren't so noticeable they're still there but they're softer they don't have hard edges they have sort of soft edges and don't forget that hard and soft light also apply to the background so if you're photographing someone against the wall and you've got the camera and you've got the flash pointing straight at them then you're get some sort of unpleasant shadows behind the wall but if you make that light softer it'll be really difficult to see those shadows they won't stand out so much so it's worth remembering that Hard and soft light doesn't just apply to the face and the person. It applies to the shadows that they cast as well. So generally, soft light is best for portraits as it looks more pleasing. But hard light has its place, too. And if you're shooting sort of gritty male portraits, hard light might be great. It all depends on the look you're going for. But generally, most people will want soft light. The size relationship between the light source and the subject determines how hard or soft the light is. The bigger the light source compared to the subject, the softer the light is. Now that's quite difficult to imagine, but if we stand outside on a cloudy day and we take a picture of someone, we're not going to get a harsh light. We're going to get a soft light, and the reason being is the sun's light is going through clouds. And even though the clouds are far away, comparing the size, comparing the size of a person's face to a cloud, the cloud is massively bigger. But when we take those clouds away and the sun comes out and it's a bright sunny day, then you start to get those harsher shadows. The reason being that light source has got smaller compared to the subject. Subject has stayed the same size. The light source has got slightly smaller because those clouds aren't there to soften the light. You can also think of putting your flash in a big sort of soft box. The closer you move it to the subject, the bigger it gets in comparison to the subject. The further you move it away, the smaller it gets relative to the subject. So there are lots of tricks you can do to soften your light. You can move your light closer. You can put it in a bigger soft box. You can bounce it off a ceiling to make it really soft. Lots of things you can do. So most people make a mistake when they're using flash, they put on the hot shoe, which which is fine, but they point the flash head at the person. This is not going to give the best portraits because the light is going to be hard. The light isn't going to look natural because instead of coming from sort of above at 45 degrees and in a downwards direction, it's coming straight on at them. And you might also get red eye and you generally get the sort of washed out look. That isn't good, but that's what most people do. So top tip if your, cam- if your flash is on the camera, just point at the ceiling, maybe increase your power output and you'll be fine. So getting a flash off the camera allows you to direct the light from a more pleasing angle. Typically, this might be left or right of, of the model, about 45 degrees left or right, with an elevation of 45 degrees to off the ground. So it's, the light is pointing down to the left or to the right. Using off-camera flash is a little more tricky than using on-camera flash, but it does give better results. If you've suddenly taken your flash off the camera, you're going you're going to need a few things. You're going to need to hold that flash somehow, unless you put it on the floor. But lighting from below gives this sort of ghastly horror look, which is good if you're doing scary pictures or cosplay or something. But it's like when when you're a child and you put your torch under your chin, you make out you're a ghost, you get that sort of look. So you need something to hold it. You need a way of firing the flash that syncs with the photo being taken. You need some way to possibly modify the light in terms of shape and size. So you can use a light stand to hold the flash, but another person is is always the best option. So when photographers have assistance, it's generally for either holding a reflector and aiming it, which is you could think of like a flash, it's giving extra light or holding a flash. Now the reason a person is always better is because a light stand can fall over, it happens, and you've got to carry a light stand, whereas another person you don't need to carry. And you can do something called verbally reposition your lights which is you say to them, I'll move the light or repower the light and they do it for you. Whereas with a light stand, you would have to walk over and so on and so forth. When you take the image, you want the flash to fire within the image. So you don't want the flash to fire before, you don't want to fire after. It needs to be timed so that it fires at exactly the right point. So when the flash is on the camera, this is simple. You press the shutter, the flash fires at the right time. Taking the flash off the camera makes it more tricky, but by no means impossible. You can get cords and you can get triggers and wireless triggers which fire the flash at the right time when the camera takes an image. Some flashes and triggers set the right level of power automatically to give the correct exposure. So they're called TTL and that's called through the lens. The camera, the flash and the trigger all work together to work out how powerful the flash should be. So you put your wireless trigger on your camera, you connect your flash to a wireless trigger unless it's built in and you take the picture at whatever manual settings you want shutter speed and aperture and iso you determine and then automatically the camera and the flash work out how much power to output and generally i wouldn't set spot on but generally it's okay it can change depending on where you meter your shot so you're not always going to get the same output each time and you can raise or lower it like you can with exposure compensation Um, so that's called ttl and that's good if you're in a rush or if you're a beginner it's really quite useful i tend to shoot on manual because I know it's not going to change. So another way you can trigger the flash is most flashes have this really great mode called slave mode, and this means you don't need a wireless trigger or you don't need a cable. And the way slave mode works is you set up, you set the flash on slave mode, and when it detects another flash firing, and when that light hits the flash's sensor, that flash fires. So it means you can use your pop-up flash if your camera has one. So on sort of very expensive DSLRs, I don't think they have pop-up flashes because they have to have space for a pentaprism that you basically get a better. A prism with a more expensive dslr and that means you can't have a pop-up flash but you could use slave mode on a dslr that has a pop-up flash you could use slave mode on a compact camera even a cheap you know 30 pound compact camera if it has a flash you can you can use slave modes with your external flash with my micro four thirds cameras the pop up flash actually communicates um, light information so I can do things like TTL with pop up flash with a flash in not quite. In, it's it's not quite slave mode, but it works on the same principle with Micro Four Thirds. It's in sort of what this wireless mode, but it communicates via pop up flash. The only difficulty with using slave mode is. Obviously, it needs to be able to receive light, so it obviously has to be line of sight between your pop-up flash and the flash you're using, and it means you can't really put it in, a, in a, inside a softbox. The light won't get to the flash's sensor, and therefore it won't go off. So those are the ways you can trigger your flash. In terms of softening lights. You're going to need to add a modifier and a modifier is something that modifies the light it can be an umbrella it can be a softbox there are lots of different modifiers but by far the simplest one is a shoot through umbrella and though those umbrellas are not strong but they're cheap and they're highly portable so it is just like an umbrella you use to keep the rain off you but it's this white translucent material and it's of course not waterproof and you put the flash behind that and the light of the flash travels through the through the umbrella fabric. And by doing that, it makes the size of the light source bigger. You think about your flash head. It's probably the size of two fingers put together, which is quite small compared to a person or a person's face. If you fire that through an umbrella, all of a sudden that light source gets bigger. Light will come from all of the umbrella. Rather than something that's the size of two fingers. So it gets bigger and it softens the light. You, they, they will break those umbrellas. At some point, they will break. Your next option is a softbox, which is sturdier than an umbrella, but it's not as easy to set up and it's not as portable. So you've actually got to build it. It doesn't take long to build, but you've got to put it together. You've then got to put a flash inside. But they're the sort of most popular ones. You can get reflective umbrellas and shoot through umbrellas and there's loads of other modifiers. In fact I could do a whole episode on flash modifiers. So where would I start with flash? If I was just getting into flash photography I would get a simple flash, should you get a TTL one it's really up to you you could spend a little bit more money and get a TTL one but the likelihood is if you are keen on flash you're gonna get more than one flash so you might as well see how you go with a manual one and then your maybe your second one is a TTL one if you want to and I would start by using bounce flash as I said before and I'd bounce it off the ceiling and I'd get used to using flash i'd get some aa batteries too because flashes need four high powered batteries typically aa and they eat through them so buying some rechargeable batteries and a recharger will save you an awful lot of money in the long run so you might set your flash manually you might take an image and you might look at the image and think right i need to adjust that and very soon you can sort of think right i need to go up two or i need to go down two and you get really good at sort of working out how to power your flash so you need to take a few test shots when you're doing flash and see if you're happy adjust your flash see if you're happy and then and then you've got it now obviously with bounce flash if you're moving about the distance between the ceiling and your subject isn't going to change very much so you can set up your bounce flash and, and go away and move and stuff. But if you're using off camera flash, the distance between your flash, the person being photographed, if that changes, the amount of light that the person receives is going to change. The amount of light hitting the person is going to change. Move your flash closer to the person, more light is gonna hit them. And move your flash closer to the person, the light is gonna be softer as well. So it's a bit more tricky with off camera flash. Let's, let's go back a few steps. Just to improve your image, if you're doing bounce flash, a lot of the flashes have this little white card that pops up, even the cheap ones, even the £40 ones. And that just throws a little bit of light forward and that gives something called catch lights in a person's eyes and it just makes your portrait look a little bit better. You can see the sort of white glistening bit. So you can do bounce flash firing up at the ceiling and get catch lights in a person's eyes and that looks really good. So after you've got good with doing bounce flash, where should you go next? Well, I think you should start experimenting with changing the light direction. Perhaps have the light come from the left to give a really dramatic effect or to give it some Rembrandt lighting. Have the light coming from the side. Just experiment. Get that flash off the camera, get it on a light stand, have a modifier and just experiment. Now, this doesn't need to be difficult or cost a lot. If you've got a flash, you can keep it on the camera and you can pivot the head. So maybe you put your person in front of a wall And there's a wall to the side of them. You aim your flash at that wall and it's going to give a direction to the light. It's not going to be coming from above. It's going to be coming from the side. Or you have a big white piece of card or reflector or you hang some white cloth up and you pivot the flash head and you fire it and you bounce it from a direction that isn't downwards towards your model. If you wanted to purchase some equipment like a cheap light stand, you could. Don't forget, a tripod might be suitable if the person sat down. Tripods can go quite high and as long, really, as your flash is higher up than the person, you'll be okay. You can also get an umbrella or softbox and some inexpensive triggers. So now we're really getting into off-camera flash territory. Start by using a single light for off-camera flash. And to be honest, some of the best portraits are just a single light. Because with a single light, you get really good shadows. It's actually shadows. That make that really lift a portrait. Yes, you can give it you can have a shadowless portrait and you can use things like ring ring lights to give a really good effect where there aren't many shadows. But for a you know sort of classic dramatic portrait it really needs shadows and one light does well for shadows. If one side of the face is too dark, try putting something reflective next to the model but not within the camera shot. Maybe a piece of white card or putting the model near a window or a white door, or a white wall. Start with one flash, get good at that, and then go to multi-flash. And by multi-flash, the obvious thing to do is to start with two flashes. So if you do want to progress to two flashes, let's talk about the most common use of the second flash. So your first flash illuminates the person or illuminates their face. The second flash gives them separation from the background and this can be called a hair light or referred to as a rim light and it helps give some detail and it sort of comes from behind them. So you've actually seen this hundreds of times on telly but you never noticed. You'll see a person illuminated from the front otherwise you would not be able to see them on, on TV but down the side from their sort of head, down their head, on their shoulder, on their arm, on their leg, you can see a bit of light and it's very subtle and it's always done very well, but that is a rim light. It just makes them stand out and it stops them blending into the background. And you can do this too with the second light. Key thing though with a rim light is direction. If your main light is 45 degrees to the left of the camera, then the rim light should be behind the model, 45 degrees to the right or their left. Both lights really should be aiming at each other. You also want the rim light angling down. So you want, it, you want that light just to brush them. You don't need to illuminate their back. You just need to illuminate their arm their shoulder and their hair so you're actually aiming to miss them the rim light doesn't need a modifier it can just be the flash head because hard light will work okay you can put a modifier on the flash if you want but the light beam will be narrower than the light from the main light and that causes a problem that can mean aiming it is going to be quite difficult so you set up your main light with your umbrella or your softbox you take a picture and, and you can tell the person is illuminated or they're not illuminated and you move it You adjust the light, but probably you're going to get it right. It's actually a bit more difficult with the rim light. You can miss a person quite easily. So, the way to do it is stand behind them, aim your flash at them, and just keep pressing the pilot button, which is the test button, which test fires the flash, and you can see where that flash is landing. People often talk about ratios between the first light and the second light. Just go for something you're happy with, just go for something that looks natural or looks dramatic. So there's loads more things you can do with flashes and really we've only touched the surface. There were things like rear curtain and first curtain sync, high speed sync, recycle times, guide numbers, different modifiers and there are loads of modifiers gels which give different colors and there's loads of gel tricks you can do but to be honest that's several episodes of a podcast there i'm really talking about just getting in just getting your foot in the door with using flash so i'm going to sum up because i've talked about the simple way you can use flash as a bounce flash how you can go more advanced by getting the flash off the camera little things you can do and little things you should do to practice use one light then use two lights experiment see what you like light someone from behind that will be very dramatic that will give a very good sort of rim light or a silhouette try it out and let me know what you think don't forget to check out the podcast on patreon